1: Yeah. Hello one and all and welcome to Behind the Glass, the podcast which aims to take you behind the scenes of the YouTube channel Seen Through Glass as well as the automotive and social media worlds. I'm your host, Sam, from that YouTube channel Seen Through Glass and apologies for the slightly weird intro. Uh, For those of you watching here on the YouTube channel, hello, you've probably noticed I'm back in my living room, scene of many lockdown podcasts. Uh, For those of you listening, you may have picked up on the fact that this sort of audio quality is not as good as it usually is when we're in the studio. The reason I'm recording this here here and now is because I totally forgot to record an intro the other day when I sat down with Ed Lovett from Collecting Cars for today's episode. We met up at Collecting Cars HQ and recorded in a rather echoey office but I don't think it really matters because the chat I had with him was fascinating. If you've followed me on Instagram or Twitter over the last, I don't know what, six to nine months, you'll know that I quite regularly post cars that become available through the Collecting Cars website because there's always like really interesting juicy bits on there and I wanted to understand kind of where the idea had come from and, and where Ed Came from because last year I appeared on the Collecting Cars podcast with Ed and his co host, uh, a small motoring journalist called Chris Harris. Uh, It was a huge amount of fun, but yeah, it felt about time that that we flip it around and and get the Collecting Cars. Well, you know, Ed from Collecting Cars onto my podcast. So I really hope you're going to enjoy this. As I say, I really did. I found him such an easy guy to chat to, a really nice guy to chat to with some amazing stories and opinions on the sort of automotive world. So yes, if you're watching here on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, turn on notifications. If you're listening, keep listening wherever you are listening. And a quick shout out to our amazing patrons. Sit back and I hope you enjoy. Ed, welcome to Behind the Glass.
2: Behind the Glass. Behind Thank you the Glass. Much.
1: I feel like we're, we're evening the score because uh, I think most of my listeners will know, but maybe some people missed it. I appeared on your podcast, the Collecting Cars podcast, middle of last year. Indeed. With, uh, with Chris Harris, who you co-host that podcast with. Uh, and it was great fun. I really enjoyed it.
2: It was very good. I think we did it in my house. We
1: anyway. did do it in your yeah. house, which was also lovely. Um but today we are at the collecting cars office. HQ. HQ. As yeah. all the branding yes. would suggest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you my hat on here.
1: (laughs) I will say, before we started recording, Ed did have a cape, a collecting cars cape that he did want to wear, like a football hooligan, but I talked him out of it. (laughs) Or maybe he realised himself it wasn't the best move. But look, this is a super cool um, place, but also business, and I want to get into it, you know, in today's podcast. But I actually want to talk a little bit more before that about, about you and your story, because You didn't kind of just happen onto this business by mistake, and it's not your first dabble in the automotive world. Um, So let's kind of start roughly at the beginning. You choose when the beginning is. Uh, How did you get into cars in the first place?
2: I was born into it. (laughs) I was born into it. My grandfather started Dick Lovett in 1966. And yeah, so I guess uh, from the moment I was born, it you was, had it, no choice. It, it was clear it was going to be cars. I did think at school I might be an architect, but my uh, teacher told me I was crap at maths. So uh. That wasn't
1: going to happen. <laughs> Upl- uplifting teaching
2: <laughs> yeah. there. Uh, yeah. And I was definitely not going to be a sportsman either. <laughs> okay.
1: I, I can sympathise, though. <laughs> I empathise. But therefore, why are you not running Dick Lovett the group right now? That's a very complicated question. Sorry, that's a very complicated <laughs> I don't want to go question. deep. But, but yeah. I, my question, I thought, is did you, did you, you know, try and work your way up through the ranks? Did you do some hours at showrooms? No,
2: I've spent most of my working career um, working with my family business and okay. certainly with cars. You know, and, and for, for whatever reason, um, I don't think I'll go into all the story, no, stories That now, could be a but, whole nother podcast. It, I, I probably don't fit the corporate environment for... Um, and restrictions put in place by manufacturers. I, I'm my own person and have my own voice.
1: Fair enough. And growing up around that huge... I mean, I'm going to call it a conglomerate because, I mean, Dick Love it. my audience will be very familiar with because I seem to be filming there every two weeks at the moment. Um, uh, you know, so many different brands and things like that. But but were you looking at it or were you talking about it as a business? I mean, where did, did it help with the passion of cars because you were around them or was it just... Or oh, that's what dad does or granddad does. He just buys and sells cars.
2: No, I, look, I think as a, as a boy, when you're growing up, you know, we all get into cars quickly. And the fact that, uh, you know, my father has always been a racing driver, always come home in nice cars. It's impossible to avoid it. Where I'm probably slightly different is that I'm a dealer. I am a dealer at heart. So, it's as much about the deal as the car. So, you know, I, I don't, when I was going to work, I, I've started at the bottom washing cars, body shop, parts department, workshop, admin, uh, and then got into sales and, and very quickly found my feet and what what I enjoyed doing and what I was good at.
1: Do you think you could now buy and sell anything? Do you think you've got an inherent dealer inside you, not just with cars?
2: Uh, yeah, pr- probably. You know, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm very good at buying sure. and selling. It's what I like doing. Sure. Um, and but it doesn't make it any easier if I, even if I like doing it.
1: Because <laughs> I don't think I could. I'm not a salesman. Like that's the one thing that I've always been aware of. Like if I track my career history, it's very much been on the sort of fluffy side of business. Because <laughs> I'm not someone who can just like get deals. And even with my own cars nowadays, like I'm always handing it over to some specialist rather than trying and selling it privately because, yeah. you know, I just don't have the balls to do it. But I think if you are a salesman, sometimes those skills are quite transferable and, and someone who can sell cars well can probably sell paintings or drew. I, mean, I don't really know, but that was my assumption. Yeah, I,
2: I think... Um you know, obviously, you can sell something. certain things are easy to sell, because if everyone wants them, then it's easy. But it, it, it's a, it's it's about people and people skills. Sure. And, and funny enough, I don't think my people skills are actually that good. In, 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 <laughs> I will in,
1: reassure in, you in, they're in, fantastic in, in,
2: in many ways. But when I can engage with someone who wants to buy something, uh, you know, we we find a level and I, and I think that's important. You can find a level with lots of different people.
1: And there's a thing with petrol heads, which I guess is why, you know, especially if you're passionate about what you're selling, but cars in general, is I do feel like we can all connect on any level. You know, you walk into a room, if it's a stuffy dinner party, and I talk about this a lot. If there's one other guy at the table who's into cars, you're kind of saved yeah. because you know, it doesn't matter if he's into 1930s Bugattis or whatever. And you're into modern day stuff. You can still click and connect. Thank God.
2: That that, that is true. Or, or, although there is a negative side to that, because if they know you're the car guy, even the girls, all they want to do what car are you driving? You yeah. know, what have you got? What have you sold? You know, what's your favourite car? Uh, and my, my wife hates it. You know, oh, really? Anyone who comes to, to our house uh, for lunch, you know, within seconds of arriving, oh what's what's downstairs? What have you got? Come Interesting. Go and have a look? Yeah.
1: What did you see that GTO sold the yeah. other day that they read about in the Telegraph?
2: <laughs> and you th- and you think their wives will start asking a, um, my wife about you know what that's a lovely dress it's uh, a lovely handbag. What, 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 where are you going on holiday they're more in, so interested cliched. in the cars as well it's so <laughs>
1: cliched well look you you touched on it so i'm now going to jump on it because you have owned some pretty amazing cars over the years personally and i guess through business like you know stuff going down and downstairs right now you have a very interesting car which is a new 911 Speedster, yeah, the GT3 Speedster, uh, which I, I love the look of. We were speaking about it before we came up to record that weirdly, I feel like it's kind of gone a little bit under the radar, that car. I don't know if because Porsche just haven't had many people drive them. They're obviously super limited, but it feels like there are a ton of them on the market, which you never really want to see with a car that theoretically people want to get out and drive. But But how are you finding it?
2: I love it. You, you love can't. it. I, I really, I really like it. I didn't buy it new. I had to pay a premium for it, um, and it's a slightly funny story, because it was that particular car I wanted, um, not a, any Speedster, but that that one. And on my birthday, which is the 18th of February, do oh, happy Send, send yeah. me a, a card. <laughs> um, put it in your diary. Uh, I, I made an offer on that car Incredible. significantly more than I paid for it, and. When I made that offer, I was said, uh, yeah, the, the owner doesn't want to sell it to a dealer. And I was like, well, oh, I'm, I'm just, you know, that's m- horrible. M- money's money. Um, and I bought it for well done. 30 grand less. Well done. Three months later, I love it. Yeah.
1: Amazing. Uh, so have you, are you a Porsche guy then? What, what particularly about that car uh, were you desperate about?
2: Am I a Porsche? I, I, I definitely am a Porsche guy. You know, you can see through international collectibles that you know it's mainly Porsche, Porsche, Porsche. And and and, and there's a few reasons for that. I, I think Porsche, as a product and a brand, is in the collector car world is the most liquid. Um, you know, everyone knows what they're worth, give or take. Um, you know, if you price it right, you'll sell it. You know, if if you're an owner of you've got one, there will be someone out there to write you a check for it. And I really like that because I don't like sitting on. Inventory for a long time. I hate, I hate it, and that's why collecting cars is. But we'll, you know, we'll come to that. Um, so I had a Singer 911, which of course. Uh, I I bought, ordered new. Um, went to California with my wife to collect it. Uh, the, the last week she could fly before um, she gave birth to our second uh, daughter, whose birthday is today. Oh, by the way.
1: congratulations! Happy birthday!
2: And um, so we really love that experience and owning that car, and also driving it with. Out ever thinking about whether it's going up or down in value and and that's another thing for me with Porsche you you can do that you know fine if you go and do 20,000 miles in a speedster it's worth less than a car that's done 1,000 miles but the point is you can still sell it
1: sure Uh, well I hope you're right because some some people out there do 30,000 miles in Carrera T's and try and sell them who knows who they are but (laughs) (laughs) fingers crossed (laughs) they can get rid of them Um, but no you're right there's something about that Porsche mark where As cars to drive and live with, they're fantastic. You have that semi-security in the fact that, yes, there's always an audience or a market out there for them, but they're cars that take miles well. I mean, being a Ferrari obsessive... You know, not with my 360, because I consider that I will try and keep that car until I'm 95. Um, but, you know, otherwise, I would, I would always think, oh, I can't really, I shouldn't take it on that trip, or I shouldn't do this. Because I'm just screwing myself over. With Porsche, I feel like it's the opposite. Yeah, It's almost celebrated the more miles the car has.
2: So I, was spe- I was speaking to a client of mine this morning, because we we're trying to sell one of his cars to a guy in America. And the guy in America can definitely afford the car. Okay. And we got to the point where it's too much about price, and... You just get on and buy the car and start making memories and with the speedster we bought it during lockdown so i couldn't collect it had it delivered into london we weren't in london and when we came back my wife went back to cornwall and i stayed here with the speedster and then drove it down to cornwall which was great pissing Amazing. Down, putting pissing down a rain most of the way down there Aqua Perfect about six <laughs> times on, on the m5 almost killed myself uh, and then the weather turned whilst we we're in cornwall and uh my wife and I went out one evening, and we parked uh, on the beach in Damer Bay in wow. the speedster. Wow! Heaters on. Um, Coffee and, and and actually those I'll remember that whether I sell it or not it, I'll remember it because of that. And when I drove back from Cornwall, it was totally the opposite weather, heat wave. It had just been Father's Day, so my daughters have bought me some mini dime bars, which I, I like dime bars. By the <laughs> you way, demolished in about twenty for minutes. My, remember for my birthday, well, I mean, eighteenth 8, of February. It was yeah, exactly yeah, okay, because yeah. it was so hot. I got back to London and they'd melted <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> oh my god! But anyway, I, I I like memories in cars and. I, the singer, 15,000 miles, three years, I'll have so many memories of that car and the speed's are the same. And it doesn't really matter about the value of what the car is. It's about creating memories in a car.
1: And I think, you know what, you and I share the same thought here, where i totally with you. It's all about what you do with these cars. And also, it doesn't always matter what the car is. Like, I have some amazing memories from my first car, which was a Mark IV Golf. You know, like, just a 1.4-litre banger. Um, but I have amazing memories with it. But I'm not someone who's sentimental about keeping the car for the memories. Like, a lot of my audience were upset when I announced I was selling the Carrera T, because they're like, how can you? Pass Ways. But those memories aren't going anywhere. That trip still happened. I don't need the car in my garage to get it and go, oh, it still smells like Latvia. You know, like, like I personally, I don't need that. But are you the same way? I get the feeling you're the same way.
2: Well, yeah, look very much so. Just, just very quickly on the first car thing, I did. Uh, I did see um, Schmee the other yes. day. Found his first car. I wonder how many of us our first cars are in the same state as. Honestly, I know, I know mine is. I had a Nissan Nissan Sunny 1.4 LX with a rear spoiler, oh. and I fitted a mini disc player. Hello, mini discs. And, and, uh, I. Uh, uh, some, someone we know in the family had, a, had an accident so we, we got newer cars because we are car dealers and sure. <laughs> my mother wanted us to have cars that had airbags in them so we, we got newer cars and my cousin took the Nissan Sunny 1.4X and destroyed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. Uh, there, it's almost a rite of passage though for first cars. They need to have some kind of awful sort of you know ending. Uh, I don't know the problem is I don't know the original plate of my first car because I'm a douchebag who's always had private registers. that Make no sense because you know this is who I am, uh, and so I can't track down where that first kind up. Mine was a Halford special because it was a bog standard 1.4 golf, and I just took it to Halford to put chrome everywhere, chrome strips literally that would stick down with sellotape on the grill. So I had a chrome grill and different alloys. And um, so if the if the Nissan was it was yeah. your first car, uh, what would you consider was your first sports car? At least the car that you were like, yeah, this is cool.
2: Well, I, I, that's so. Look, I'm working for Dick Lovett. I drove great cars I can imagine they were the companies they, they weren't mine and and the, do you not know do you want to know what the first new car I bought was please a Singer 911
1: <laughs> really <laughs> yeah,
2: correct that's with, with, amazing that, that was actually, sorry that's not that is not true that's not true Sorry, okay. scrap that. T- total lie. Scrap, scrap that, re- <laughs> rewind. For the first new car I bought was a uh, 991 GT3. We moved abroad, okay. and I had the first car in the market, which was total fluke because they told me that the first cars you couldn't have lift on, and I was like, <laughs> I don't care about it. I'll just have it, and ended up I could have lift on it. <laughs> and, sure. And, and, and so, it's just uh, a bit I of a scam, that. basically. I, I did um, took delivery of it, went for a drive with my wife again. And uh, three days later I had a call from the Porsche Center to say, stop driving your car, there's an en- engine fire problem <gasps> with a GT three. And uh, it was parked four stories down under a building and they came to pick it up and said, You can't drive it. And I was like, Well, fine, send the tow truck down yeah. four stories down what the are we building. Do? Oh my and, god. And uh, yeah, four months it took me to um, I didn't I didn't I didn't even want the car after that and I just got got my money back after after four months.
1: What was that like? Though having been around cars for so long, obviously, yeah, buying used. What because I've never bought a car from factory. I'd gone yeah, through yeah. that spec and waiting and blah blah. To was it rewarding? Like, did you? Or... It,
2: it, it, do you know what? It, it, I think that the fact I I had 400 miles in it and couldn't use it really pissed me off. Sure, um, but I. So I went to the Porsche centre, paid them the deposit, gave them the spec. And it, it for me, it was a quite important moment. I remember collecting the car with Viv. Um, so it was quite important. Subsequently from that, though, and I don't know if this was the peak of the change in, of, of that type of market, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But you know, I went back to the dealer to say, I, I'd quite like a GT3 RS next is sure. that all right oh yeah we got you know we got so many orders and not you sure need to we can bed this panamera yeah, <laughs> all, all of that all of that and setting a 911r gt2rs and i was like i'm not flirting with any yeah. car dealer you know i, I, I won't even flirt with my family business to, yeah. get, to get a new car i am not going to play the ferrari game mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just won't do it it's and that's why i went and bought the singer because interesting uh, whilst everyone was buying gt3 rs's and flipping them and no one was using them i thought i'm going to go a totally different route i'm going to go for a singer and and that's what i did and okay. so that 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 car for me um was was a really important purchase yeah, it was almost a, a middle finger here. to yeah. like
1: the mainstream manufacturers yeah, yeah. basically because yeah. you're right i mean it, i feel like it's almost softened off a bit just because i think now manufacturers are making so many of these theoretically limited runs um that the cars are more accessible For example, I got offered a slot on a 718 GT4 the other day when I was like, well, okay, fine, I bought two Porsches, but nothing that special. And how many are you making? Because I feel like there were already thousands on the market. And my one question was, if I want a 992 GT3, do I have to buy this car now? Because I don't want it. But if you tell me that, then, oh God, the whole thing is horrible. That's my thought process. Um, But I just suppose that's the way the world goes. But yeah, so your singer was kind of like a bit of a, I'm going to go my own way. Yeah. Amazing. Correct. Yeah. And you, you sort of said we're going to uh, move on to it. Let's move on to it a bit because alongside collecting cars, you're still running international collectibles, right?
2: Uh, I, yeah, I am uh, very much so because you know we collecting cars is a st- is a startup, um, although gathering momentum very quickly. But I still do have a lot of core clients globally, um, and it seems a shame to not continue to service them in some way. It doesn't take up a huge amount of my time. Um, I, I don't take much crap from from buyers or <laughs> sellers. So, you know, I, I like to deal with nice people, buyers and sellers. Um, so, yeah, I just... I focus that when it needs when it needs the focus.
1: Well, uh again my audience will be familiar with that because I got absolutely trolled when you posted that insane white challenge Shradali a few months ago during lockdown. And I think it looked like about three hundred and fifty people had tagged me on that post. And I was like, People, leave me alone. But but it, it's a good example of the kind of cars because I would say that whatever you post, and maybe there's stuff you don't post. It's always kind of interesting cars. They're they're not generic. You know, you either have interesting specs or things that you don't see all the time. And is that because of the stuff that you enjoy selling, or is that just because of the clients that you have?
2: No, it's the stuff, You know, I'll only sell what I want to sell. So it, it's it's as you say. You know, I, I look for interesting things. What, what one thing that, that is changing very quickly, and and that white challenge style is a perfect example. But things have escalated a lot since February for collecting cars. None of those cars I would list now on, on international collectibles, I'd put them on collecting cars. because uh, my, 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 um and I, and I don't want to jump ahead, but as I said, I don't like to advertise cars for too long. And collecting cars is a way of selling cars in seven days. So why should a tran- Challenge Dali be sold in any other way than via collecting cars? There, there are some cars that... That being that they are more expensive or a bit more special, and it takes time to find the right owner, that perhaps collecting cars is not the right environment for them at the moment. I've got a Zagato Speedster I'm selling for a client wow. at the moment. It's a very rare car. It's a very expensive car. Um, th- the owner is not. It's not a fire sale. So we're not just going to go and stick it out there and you know See what b- I mean. bid what you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's no going to take some time with a car like that to find the right owner. We've got a Jaguar D-Type, which is the same.
1: Okay, so yeah, the specialist stuff still needs that kind of handling, doesn't it? And the right customer and the yeah, right and client and finance
2: part exchanges. You know, there there are cool. reasons why you can't just do a quick. Let's get it sold seven days.
1: Move on. Well, yeah. yeah that, oh, look, it brings us perfectly on to collecting cards. We we might as well come on to it because I think you know people have been, or at least I feel like people have been aware of what you've been doing since kind of launch, because there's been some interesting moments here and there. Obviously, the podcast has been super successful. um, And so sort of awareness has been rising. And then again, we spoke about it before we started recording, but I feel like over the last few months, things seem to be on a real upward trend. And I'm noticing more and more incredible cars, like the the cars that are being listed on the website are, are really exciting. You've always had Cool stuff because I've always posted on stories and stuff like that, being like, "Oh my god, look at this. this! is so quirky." But it feels like you know, eight twelve super fasts, and uh, I, that's a really good example because I just saw it the other day. Uh, but you know, but interesting stuff. And of course, there was the 720S which you had during lockdown, which kind of shocked everyone, I think, with. Theoretically, how affordable it was. Um, so, for those who have no idea what we're talking about right now, just give us a sort of elevator pitch of what Collecting Cars is.
2: So, it's pretty simple it's a free to list and sell platform for sellers where we host an online auction for seven days with a professionally written description, which is about the car, not the model. Um, so, and in high, highly detailed description.
0: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com slash host
2: and then we also have 100 to 200 photos so if we say it doesn't have a curved wheel you'll see a photo of all the wheels if we say there's no wear on the driver's seat bolster you'll see a photo of the driver's seat seat bolster um so and that so that transparency and information um where you've got seven days to sit down, ask the seller questions, go and see the car um it's it's just doing it quite differently to auction houses, to traditional car dealers um it's it's changing the way people buy and sell cars
1: uh, and I think you're right in the, when you were saying sort of, Maybe initially it was a, a fire sale type, you know, let, I just want to get rid of the car, stick it up there, let's just see what happens. But I feel like now it's a really interesting and viable way to sell your car because it's got this audience of, you know, enthusiasts, people who are looking for cool cars, quirky cars, good deals, etc. without the kind of dealer inflation or the messing around or whatever it might be. It feels like it's got rid of a lot of that. Yeah. So. I definitely keep my eyes on it because you've had cool car. You had the 695 at Bath, 70th anniversario. Very interesting car for me. I love that thing. And on the used market at I the minute, mean, they're still up at like 28, 30. And I was like, are they worth that? You're sold, I think, for 26. I was like, okay, well, clearly that's just where they are. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, you do get some other things which come in a bit lower. And I go, oh, hold on a sec. Maybe there's an opportunity here. So that's why I think, it, you know, the credibility seems to be great, gaining a lot. Um, so how do you. How do you acquire cars for the website? Do people approach you? Are you out there looking to get cars?
2: So that's changed again. So okay. we, our first auction started on the, just remind myself, 14th of May 2019, three days before my third child was born. <laughs> oh a lot, my God, a lot, God, a lot congratulations, of my stories yeah. are around, attached <laughs> around my children. Nice. So, so we started then. Then the first auctions ended on the 2nd of June because when we went live, the first lots were up for... Um, two weeks. And I'm not sure if you remember, we had a hundred, a 270,000 mile 1989 911 speedster as well. was One, yes. of, was okay. one, one yeah. of our early lots. Um, so in, in the early days, podcast, uh, Instagram, hi, oh. we're here, consigned with us, a lot of cold calling, Piston Heads, Auto Trader, car dealers, car and classic, we've um, seen your cars for sale. Can we help you? Do you want to do something a bit different? And, and we had a pretty good pickup. Straight away, sure. um, you know, expectations, we, we, we were trying to manage our expectations in terms of not thinking we we're going to have world dominance Im- immediately. Um, and then get, getting to around Christmas time, you know, we had general elections, you know, so there, so there were some sellers in the market that were becoming a bit more motivated. So sure. that helped them thinking, right, what's the quickest way for me to sell the car if dealers aren't writing checks out? So collecting cars became more prominent. And then then it was really from February this year that we started to see an increase in uh, um, incoming inquiries. And obviously, as we arrived in lockdown, you know, we we get about 25 um, incoming consignment requests a day. Wow. Um, And a lot of them we turn away, you know, because we're probably not the right place to sell a... um, 196,000 mile 320 diesel BMW. <laughs> or, or, although if there is an, if there is a 320 diesel BMW that's interesting, we will still run that. Um, so, and we, we, obviously number plates we've been offering, and we get a lot of pretty rubbish number plates offered <laughs> to us, so we turn we turn those away. Um, but we've got you know we've got 100 cars, just over 100 cars live on the site at the moment.
1: Uh, and do you feel like so uh, for my US viewers, uh, they'll be familiar, I think, with uh, bring a trailer. And is there a slight differentiation between what you and Bring a Trailer do? Um, and then secondly, do you think this is kind of going to shift or is shifting how some, you know, some people are buying and selling cars? Because I think definitely the market is changing, at least in the supercar or the interesting car side of things. And so I can see why people would want to come through you a lot more, you know, at, with the cars that they're trying to move on from, so yeah, let's talk about the bringer trailer thing first. Um, for those people who don't know what that is, it's essentially a similar setup it's, in the US. You know, I would
2: say it's almost exactly the same. Okay, yeah. okay. And so yeah, they've been at it for quite a long time. I think they just sold the business uh, to Hearst Media oh, uh, on the twenty okay. third of um, June. Um, that, that they, you know, it's incredible business. You know, they, they did. I think ten thousand, circa ten thousand cars last year. Two hundred and thirty million dollars worth of transactions. It's an incredible business. They are chasing volume. Um, we would like, and we are increasing our volume, but we're we're still pretty focused on quality. That sure. mix, that mix. We're not throwing anything on there because we just want to make as much money as possible. You know, we are picky, um, and because we want. The right people to engage with our audience, and and that doesn't mean the right people because we just want to be selling four eight eight Pistas. You know, sure, we, we, sure. We, we want you know a Mark One, a Mark Two Golf GTI. You know, we want the odd cool quirky stuff, it, like a thousand pounds. You know, it, at, plus we do want the big stuff. You know, we, we, the, the, that's the where our model really comes into its own is cars sold over a hundred thousand pounds. So. Any car um, that's sold over £100,000, the buyer's premium is £5,000 plus the VAT. Okay. Um, at a traditional auction house, the buyer's premium on that would be £12,500 plus the VAT. Wow. Plus they charge the seller as well between 5 and 10%. Okay. So we, you know, we're saving the transaction from buyer and seller a considerable amount of money. Take that to a million pounds and, you know, they're paying £150,000 worth of fees. It's £5,000 with
1: us. Wow. Okay. So, yeah, it becomes very attractive for for, for everyone involved, really. And I think you're right in the sense of interesting cars and, you know, selecting them because I'm not the only one who's, basically reposting what's listed almost every week because there's always something to catch my eye but of course Chris Harris as well i think we're in a sort of twitter competition to who composed more interesting uh, you know uh, lots of listings on clinton cars so how did that relationship start how how do you and chris know each other so
2: i've known chris for 25 years give or okay. take and uh, and i remember him turning up at bmw bristol uh, back when the e46 m3 uh, was launched i know before that so um, Z3M Coupe, etc., and you know Chris would take me out for a spin around the corner in it just to show me what this press car was like. And we and we've always talked. And Chris is a proper diehard car nut, you know. And 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 he's everything from Peugeot 205 to 250 GTO, which I think is the expression we used in our first podcast with Max Girardo. so when I decided I was going to do this, I engaged with Chris very quickly, not to say, can you come and help me? More like, this is what I'm going to do. Do you want to get involved? And he was like, yeah, sure, let's straight do away." It. And I think he, he, well, I, was, I was with him having lunch the other day, and that, that telephone call, he was walking to Edgbaston, uh to uh, to watch the cricket. And oh, wow. uh, he still remem- remembers the call, and, I, and I'm pleased I made that call. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And you know what, especially on the podcasting side, I think, you know, uh, you're lucky that my co-host doesn't hear this today. Goddamn Tony. Uh, but it's really important to do these podcasts with people that you're you, you're used to just talking with cars about. And I guess that yeah. that's what seems like when I listen to to your show with Chris, you just come across like two guys who who are having those conversations anyway. Yeah. And I think that's the thing with, with me and Tony. You know, we're talking throughout the week about the stuff. We just then record it at the end of the week. Uh, and so you have that natural flow with him, right? Where over the years, you've just been... Chatting cars exactly
2: yeah you know we and that and that's um you know the the podcast to a certain degree Chris is Chris's is Chris's domain he sets the tone of that chooses the guests
1: often gives you quite a hard time uh, it gives me quite yeah. a hard time. but no but
2: it, it, it it's important because you know when we sit down. We don't want to be trying to, you know, get blood out of a stone. You know, we need, it needs to be natural conversation. That's what it's all about. Of course. And by the way, Tony, thanks for buying uh, two cars off the platform. Yes,
1: he yeah, did. Yeah. I mean, Tony, God, what an interesting character. But yeah, he bought two cars. He had a great experience, actually. He did actually text me saying he had a great experience. And I think he's sold, he's definitely sold one of them on. Maybe he sold both, actually. Um, but yeah, but that's an interesting flip as well that dealers i'm sure he's not the first are looking at collecting cars going oh i wonder if they've got interesting stock i wonder what yeah. i can you know pick up and no
2: well, look we're selling cars for private people mm-hmm. dealers mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and we're having our buyers are private people and dealers it's not quite 50 50 but it's sure it could be something around that it changes from day to day um and why shouldn't they you know mm-hmm. it, it, there's there's you know you, you've you've got to be committed to the the process. So, if you're a private guy and you're hovering over the mouse to bid with a minute to go, and you're a bit nervous, then that's where a dealer comes into their own because they're not nervous. They can see the pictures. They know what they're buying. Bid, go. You know, we want to legitimise what we're doing. We do appreciate that the online world can be pretty dark and scary for sure, some people. But sure. that's why we're doing this podcast. You can see who I am. You know, Chris is involved. You know, the, the, this is a proper, credibility. This is a proper too. business that you know we're not. Um, we, we, we feel um, we are very transparent, we're very contactable, call us, call the owners, ask the questions, you've got seven days, look at 150 photos, we're not trying to hide anything, and we want this experience to be super easy for everyone.
1: I think the thing with social media now is there is no hiding, and, and people often forget it, but also it can be a bit... So I feel like sometimes people trust me too much. <laughs> like I feel like sometimes people just go, "Oh, it, it sounds like he's like there's nothing going on." And fine, I'm not trying to hide anything or rip anyone off or whatever. But I could so easily because <laughs> people That's are just good like, to know. "Yeah." <laughs> so watch out, guys. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those weird things where where social media, you know, it's it's made everyone more accessible and it's made brands have to be a lot more aware of their presence and what they're doing and be accountable for things. Uh, and so interesting that you say that that it's a good tactic and, and probably an important tactic that from day one there have been names or faces that people could think that they could hold accountable if something went wrong or at least come and ask questions or yeah. look I, I'm thinking about doing this x y and z um but to move to move on a bit to the more general car chat um because of the range of stuff that you've got on there what I'm interested by is that things like 812 superfast 720s's uh huracans etc seem to be changing hands a lot more often these days, and maybe not for these kind of crazy premiums that, that they were two or three well, years in ago. In general. In general. Oh, no, yeah. in general, yeah. I think. I think the platform is great, because I think what it does is it highlights probably real values, true values. And so it gets rid of somebody going, oh, yeah, my 720, oh, no, 720 is a bad example. My mercy Largo is worth 210 grand, when, let's not kid ourselves, it's worth 160. And so I think it, it stops those privateers trying to get these crazy figures and gives us a bit more of a realistic look at the market. And so nine eleven speeches as you said, you, you ended up paying overs for afterwards, not as much as you originally offered. But do you see that moving forward now, that's kind of dead in the market of a performante, hurricane, boogie, 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 actually is not going to be something that can, you know, you can flip so easily these days.
2: Oh, I, I, look, that we know that's changed, yeah. and it, and it's still changing, and uh, I, I think it's, uh, it's a dangerous game to play.
1: Very dangerous yeah. game to play. The one that scares me is that AMG Black series that just came out at £330,000. And how many are they making? God knows, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I mean...
2: It looks good. It, 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 looks, hey, it looks good. Great. V- very, very interesting launch strategy. Shows Go on, the, Schnee. Ch- shows I mean... Shows the changing of the guard
1: i think kind of amazing and great for him and yeah changing of the guard sure but i don't remember many launch videos that had journalists in anyway Mm. so so it's a it's a weird thing i mean it's sort of like what like tim hi um but i think cool and and i say great vindication for him because he's done a lot of hard work to get to that point especially with mercedes um but but that car's one of those ones where i thought with everything going on in the world and with the market and everything surely you would have thought maybe this should be 250 grand not 330 it just seems unrealistic
2: yeah well it it, it's kind of irrelevant because they're all going to be sold i'm sure some will be flipped for a profit if they've charged too much for them we're going to find out pretty quickly what the market value is for them the, the volume does matter you say who cares well I don't really care, but it, it is a bear. You know, if they make ten cars at three hundred and ten grand, they're going to be worth a million quid. Sure, if fair enough. They make a thousand cars, they're probably going to be worth two hundred and fifty grand. So it, <laughs> it, it, it it has a big bearing. You know, Ferrari are playing a very different game because they're not telling you how many they're building, and I can pretty much tell you, anyone that wanted a piece to coupe has got a piece to coupe.
1: Oh, as you can see, if you drive down Sloane Street on a Saturday, you'll find that out very yeah, quickly. Yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, and Porsche have done the same. And I, and I don't blame the manufacturers by the, by the way, because they're not guaranteeing pre. For people, that's not the yeah. game they're playing. If you want a pista, and they're in business, they'll be like, "Let's make enough pistas." Yeah, well. Let's go Let's make, make enough Gen two GT three RSs for them for the market. Yeah.
1: Exactly. If the demand is there, why wouldn't you, yeah. as a manufacturer? I think the,
2: the the one difference I would say with the, with those two particular cars is that you know, a fully spec pista could be three hundred and fifty grand, and a fully spec GT three RS is still one hundred and ninety or one hundred and eighty thousand pounds. And Porsche have kept pretty sensible with the retail value of their cars. So fine, the more cars they make, the premium might not be there, but the residual of a GT product Porsche is still pretty good.
1: And I, I don't want to turn this into, like, Porsche fanboy podcast, but um, it, it's, so, it's so true because, I mean, I guess apart from 992 Turbo S, which just feels a bit too much, Um, but historically, even if you look at a 997 Carrera S, like, the values are still so strong, really, that, yep. you know, what was I looking at the other day? Oh, 991. GTS, so the naturally aspirated GTS, they're still up at like 80 or 90 grand for like low mileage ones. It's nuts. And there's very few, I mean, even Ferrari, I think has softened off a bit recently. At least from what I've seen on three hundred and sixty and four hundred and thirty level. Yeah, Yeah, general. Like I think just you know, especially you know, I I watch challenge Stradalis, I watch scuds, and I watch 360s. and they all seem to have softened off a bit from a couple of years ago. But Porsche just seem to continue to be rock solid. Yeah. um, In in every game, which is you know great for Carrera T values, people. (laughs) 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 But if you've if you've ticked sort of Porsche box, what? Are there cars that you've regretted selling or are there cars on your I would love to experience owning lists? Um, Because you must have been spoiled over the years. I I
2: bought a 911R at the beginning of this year.
1: The black one with the the black black one.
2: With the silver wheels. And I sold it in the second week of lockdown. And I had quite a lot of inventory that I owned just before lockdown. And so I set myself a task: I want to sell everything. It's clear it and I sold everything. Well everything I owned, I sold, um, and I regret selling the 911 R. Yeah, yeah. But there's okay. a slight, there's a, there's a story attached, to Dick Lovett, why I bought that 911 R, and I probably bought it for the wrong reasons. So okay, it, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> we'll probably go full circle, and I'll, I'll end up with a black 911
1: R. It, it, that was a particularly incredible spec, that yeah. actual 911 R, and I was shocked with the R, how different it was from GT3 Touring. Because I drove the R first and then the touring. And when I got in the touring, I expected to do whatever. Oh, it's just better in every single yeah. way. But there's something still about R which is just... Just a bit more special, yeah. uh, something you know inherently a bit more exciting. Maybe it's the it's, badge. It, it's, or like,
2: it's it is it drives differently. it Drives lighter, differently, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Chris Chris would tell you something different. Oh okay, he, he
1: didn't get an R, and he's got, <laughs> and he's got a touring. So. He's got. A tour. yeah. I saw him on the uh, A4 or the uh, Hammersmith flyover a couple of weeks ago, driving a bit too quickly in <laughs> yellow. I saw this thing come flying. I was like, yellow touring going quite quickly. Yeah. I wonder who that could be. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I preferred the R, and I saw that car when you listed it and thought, oh, that's brilliant. Because yeah. i sure I saw it parked up. Did it used to live? In central London, was it a central London car? It,
2: it, uh, I think it probably did. Yeah, yeah.
1: I think I've, I think yeah. I saw it around and about. Um, okay, so nine eleven R. Anything else? And that's another I Porsche. Know. We were well, no, wait, it's not, no, I, I um
2: So I, I've I've been lucky enough to own several F40s, but right. but I bought. I have. They've never really been. Mine, yes, they were mine because my money bought the car. But, sure, uh, but I bought them in with my business head on, and so at some stage where I don't need to use my business head, that is a car that that, that I will own and keep forever, okay. and use it and drive it, and never care about the mileage.
1: That over a Carrera GT,
2: uh, that over a Carrera GT, okay. not not because it's better. It's just for me. It's it, it's it represents some, it, so it, much. Uh, it does, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll, I will own another Singer. For sure. Okay. Um, I've bought and sold about ten since in wow. the last twelve months since I sold mine. Really? I bought and sold about ten cars. Some, some of them quietly, will... some of them not quietly. But people, people know I know the value of one. So if they need a check okay. written now quickly, I'll write a check out for a singer. Um, so I, you know, I, I've I've done very well with those. But since I sold the Monaco um, commission, I I, you know, I haven't. I haven't had my own one. And uh, so, yeah, I'll definitely go back there again.
1: And and sing, selling a singer, and this is, I guess, brings us onto the weird world of eggs and Pagani, things like that. Every singer is bespoke, essentially, right? You know, commissioned with all the details, essentially. And you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I guess done by the, the owner or maybe with help from the singer team. And they're just beautiful to look at. But does that mean that they dictate different values? Because if someone's gone for a... Viola purple paint and orange interior—that might not be for everybody.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, there's, there's not many out there that are totally, totally crazy. But actually, the crazier they are from a, a blue with tan car for me makes it even better.
1: And I feel like that's the team at Singer have been good at that. Yeah, yeah. You know, so keeping I sold that.
2: the Moscow Commission, which, which was, was violet oh, uh, with okay. with white and purple inside, ooh, ooh. and it was four four wheel drive. And I sold it for a Russian friend of mine. It was called the Mos- uh, Moscow Commission. It was registered in Malta. It was a car oh with God. a snowboard rack on, oh, the, on, yes. the, on, the, on the roof. Okay. And I sold it to a French guy living in Japan. Brilliant. Uh, I mean, a, and he was he inquired on it. We negotiated for about five minutes. He bought it.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So uh, so, so, so there's, yeah. there's someone for everything yeah, someone.
2: out there, with this, especially with Singer.
1: But that's... So as you know... PTS and MSO, but as I say, Koenigsegg and Pagani really focus on individualization and allowing their customers to go these crazy levels of bespoke. My question is, how does that look on the used market? And maybe some of these guys aren't thinking about that. They, they don't care. They're rich enough that who gives? But the amount of these cars that I see that are so bespoke, yeah. so specific. And it Shmi's a good example of that. You know, his cars when he's speccing them from factory, especially things like the Senna, that's a Schmee car. Yeah. Some people will kind, like that.
2: Kind of. It is it that mm. there's some very mm. radical centers out there. Yeah, good point. I think they're more <laughs> than sale up north with lime green leather and stuff oh my like God. that. And, you know. His is relatively safe in yeah, comparison. Exactly. I, I, some of the centers I you know look brilliant. Others just horrible. I any, actually don't
1: think any of them look brilliant, but, I mean, fair yeah. enough, each to their own.
2: <laughs> oh. But you say, you know, like some some of the Koenigseggs, I think Pagani have done pretty well to keep those... Looking good yeah. Um Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird market out there. And but t- and, and, this, and the circle of those buyers is very small.
1: Very inbred as well. Yeah. You know, they all, like Koenigsegg Club, often of the Pagani Club as well, yeah. and they often ship cars in between each other. But, but I just... I would worry, especially with the rise of social media, because I feel like those highly bespoke cars, those highly individual cars, then become quite social media famous. If I was in that market, I don't know if I would have the people be like, oh, well, that's David's car, I don't want that, oh, there's Brian's car, and oh, I didn't I, But because I'm not in that world, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It's not like an F40 where he's going to get a resale red one and be, yeah. be done with it.
2: No, I, look, I don't really get that world. And mm. You know, I've got a black with black... I am yep. I can sort of skulk around pretty quietly without being noticed I, I'm not one, and, and funny enough when I spec the singer, I w- I knew I wanted Porsche Midnight Blue as the exterior colour, and then the inside I wanted something with some personality, so when it's parked on the street, it's just an old blue 911 for 98% of the people that walk past, I even had every singer badge taken off, so okay. if you know you know, um, yeah, so I'm not one for being too sh- shouty, yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come and meet my three sixty. Get my <laughs> yellow Rolls
2: Royce <Dolby laughs> <level. laughs> I'd love to see you. In a, I don't. Funny enough, thing. actually, just going. These are not they're sort of dream cars, but um, three kids, two dogs, wife, singer is uh, singer speedster. They're all very impractical because I can't get anyone in. So sure. the car that I'll probably buy at some point in my life is um, a Mercedes 1971 floor shift Mercedes. 3.5 uh, SE
1: convertible. So this is where you need Chris, because I have no idea what that is. Yeah, a beautiful, big, huge wagony,
2: Hand-built, oh, convertible Mercedes. Wow. Yeah.
1: Okay, there's one, there is an amazing, something like that, that cruises around Belgravia, in like a, is that the Silver or Blue? Yeah, yeah it will be one of those. One of those, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. okay. It's probably, okay, so that's Graham, the ultimate Hunt. It's probably Graham Hunt, right. smoking yeah. around, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you say the speedster, and the singer are impractical, I'm not sure that Mercedes would be that practical because I feel like it's going to be broken down on the M4 somewhere. No,
2: no I think it's... No, you think it's it'd be good, all right? Good, good cars, yeah, but it's sure. practical so I can get my kids in it. Yeah,
1: yeah. with the roof down. Yeah, Sunday brunch car. <laughs> I think it's a bit of a squinty uh, practicality yeah. there. Um, well, look, we're going to we're gonna sort of wrap things up. Um, if, you know, if you had sort of one motivating factor to tell people to, to go and check out collecting cars i mean it's felt like a bit of a plug for collecting cars but it is because i, I enjoy the platform and you're yeah. kind enough to have me on the podcast so yeah what would you say is one motivating factor for people to go have a look
2: yeah look i don't i don't want to feel like i need to plug it but you know come and use the site you know list list your car with us it, you know it it is whatever we're doing and it's not it's kind of it's tactical but we're not it's working right yeah yeah you know, we're, we're getting good prices uh, more than trade in some cases, more than retail for the sellers, but in a lot of cases, you're probably saving on what you'd have to pay in a showroom. Sure. You're certainly getting more than a dealer would write write a check for you, um, and it's quick. And and what, one one thing we didn't really talk about, and which is an important thing that collecting cars do, is you know there there are dealers out there that have gone bankrupt that are that do use the sale or return model that. You know list your puffamante with me I'll charge you five grand plus the vat or whatever it is um, the buyer pays for the puffamante um, and the owner never gets the money mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I, you know there's been you a, quite a big big auction house that's gone down so with, with collecting cars the car stays with the owner okay. we host the auction and post auction the buyer <coughs> pays the seller and goes and collects the car so it's a very safe way of selling as well
1: okay well look there you go guys I do I do recommend it, it even if like me you're not necessarily looking to buy but you do cruise auto trader if you're a uh, voyeur. yeah if you're a voyeur, <laughs> collecting cars is slightly better than an auto trader if you're yeah, an enthusiast just to go and have a look at but um my final shout is that I think at some point we're going to have to arrange a, a shoot with your speedster and Chris's touring that will be my next plug <laughs> um, but uh, thank you very much for taking time I really appreciate it uh, for all all of you listening uh, if you want to check out Collecting Cards uh, links are below uh, you can find Ed as well um, on various social medias with international collectibles Collecting cars, etc uh, and I'll be catching up with you guys again very very soon so goodbye
2: thank you very much cheers Sam <laughs>